0: Hello and welcome to the Future of UX podcast. I'm Patricia Reiners, UX UI designer and creative resident at Adobe. So in this very first episode, I spoke with Gion Thomas, a UX designer from DeModern from Hamburg. He is working across a wide range of disciplines and with new technologies like augmented reality or virtual reality. And in our interview, he shared his experiences about designing with virtual reality and augmented reality. We were talking about the chances but also the challenges of those technologies and how to get even started Um, and we also talked about the future of design and all the skills which will be become important in the future so let's start with this inspiring episode have fun Hi, John. Thank you so much for being here today and making the time to talk to us about your projects. You're working a lot with augmented reality and virtual reality, and I am following your work or what you're doing at Demodern for quite some time now. So I can't wait to hear more about your projects. But before we are coming to that, it would be great if you could introduce yourself a little bit and talk a little bit about your way into design.
1: Sounds really good. Thank you for having me. Let's start when I was a when I was a kid. And as a kid, I always I always tried to understand the world around me. I'm also a fairly intentional listener. Like I take in a lot of of input, so to say, but I couldn't just accept stuff from people talking about it. I always had to find out for myself, see if it worked, if it didn't work, and if it didn't work, I'd fix it and think how I could uh, like bring ideas into reality and I think that started at a very early age for me as a kid and uh, luckily my my parents always supported me in that which was very nice and so I took this learning by doing kind of thing and I took that with me and I I think that is also what brought me to where I am today. Somewhere in between when I got out of high school I, I went to pursue an MBA which is much different from what I'm doing today. I didn't make it all the way to the MBA. I, I stopped after the bachelor. But when I was finished with it, I had the feeling that the, the work I do, I wanted to to be closer itself to the people that, that the work touches. And so that combined with this urge to actually like make tangible things, kind of led me to t- like reconsider my direction, so to say. And, and then I found this place, so to say, called Hyper Island, which sounds a bit magical, and maybe it is also a bit magical. It's basically, it's a school, and they provide this this framework that is all about group dynamics. In this framework, you reflect a lot on where you want to go on your process, how it's been, uh, what happened, how you feel about what happened, what insights yeah, you can kind of uh, derive from that, and and how you should then adjust course and and in that process which is supported by by briefings from like industry partners like regular briefings like agencies would get you it is it's like a, a journey of self-exploration uh, and most of all self-leadership because you kind of lead yourself into where you should be and i think that's that's a really beautiful thing and there i found that with this thing that i'm i'm quite the intentional <laughs> listener so to say and that i really like to to make stuff that UX design is exactly where I should be solving problems that that make the world a better place so to yeah
0: so um so what did you what did you study at High Island
1: back then the program was called uh digital media and now I think it's called digital media creative but besides that they I think they have at the moment also things that are more about designing for artificial intelligence and and so on and so on they they are constantly in exchange with people from from industries mm-hmm. about what they see on the horizon and then they adjust their courses based on that which is which is a very powerful tool in the end everything boils down to the same all of these directions that you can choose they are founded on this framework or this basis of group dynamics self-leadership they basically get people ready for a world that's that's always changing
0: yeah that's an amazing approach that sounds really interesting definitely after your your studies there you started to work at an agency right not at exactly. a Demodan, right you started somewhere no
1: in- i started back in the, like my my first internship or like i did an internship it was at a at an agency called jwt and they were setting up a digital team there I found two awesome mentors there, not like what you would usually ex- expect for a for a UX designer because they were not UX designer. One was a digital planner or or like strategist and the other one was a creative technologist since besides me as the UX intern there was no other UX person. I kind of filled this gap in between them which was both sometimes a bit frustrating because you're still trying to figure stuff out for yourself a lot but Understanding how how these two amazing people worked also helped me to kind of push myself and and explore for myself, which I enjoyed anyway. Uh, finding stuff out for myself, so it wasn't wasn't that much of a problem. And and so we we together we also moved to another agency uh, as like a team and we built out another team <laughs> in a classic agency that didn't work out so well. We always said that without. Patting ourselves on the back. People there, they were quiet. they were all good people, right? All good people that do great work. <laughs> but it was in an environment that wasn't so receptive of, of digital. Yeah. And we always kind of thought it was like, we always took the following metaphor. Uh, that it was basically a, that we were like the color printer that they bought but they were only printing black and white on it. Like, pe- people would come in and they would ask like, so so, what's the claim? And we were like, don't know, we got insights for you? But things like that. I mean, <laughs> bless all those people, but it, it just didn't work. It didn't work okay,
0: out. yeah, okay. But I, I think I know what you mean. Uh, I'm sure that like many people out there have those kind of problems yeah. even today because, yeah, like digitalization started like some years ago, but some companies haven't like implemented it completely. So I think a lot of people understand what you're talking about. Um, but how is it now at DeModern? Like for those who don't know DeModern, maybe you could talk a little bit that's, about what it is. That's
1: the complete opposite, so to say. Okay. Um, it's the a 100% digital agency. So let's say digital first. Basically, we consider ourselves a, an innovation and production house for digital solutions with the creative application of new technologies creative as in joyful but at the same time also meaningful of course um otherwise i wouldn't be a ux designer so we're at the moment we're three offices we have a little satellite office and about 100 people across all those offices one thing that we have as a culture is that you step into this environment where it's just a constant flow of inspiration like there is there is people that I found people that are there that are kind of like they share the same beliefs and they also believe in trying new things and learning staying curious also caring about process rather than just like the end product because in the end if if the process is good and the people are happy the end product will be better as well for it Um, and that is that's very humbling to be part of that Uh, that's really nice to see um, how everyone or how actually how no one is too good for anything. Mm-hmm. Everyone just rolls up their sleeves and, and tries to make the best stuff they can possibly make realistically.
0: <laughs> and how do you structure your teams? Because what I think is really like interesting about mm-hmm. like your project is that you are... Um, able to um like fill different positions for example you have like a really nice storytelling about like all your projects but also like a great concept and a great visual visuals as well so there are like many skills um combined in your projects and this i think is very really interesting because sometimes i'm seeing projects where i think okay it's a really great concept but actually it lacks a little bit of visual design or the storytelling so there are some things missing. And I think what you are doing like, so well is like combining all those skills. So I would like to know how you structure those teams and um, how you tackle problems um, like integrating technologies like virtual reality, for example. So how do you start those things?
1: Let's start at the beginning and, and talk about how we are structured, because I think it, it lays at the foundation about why it works to a good extent. <laughs> I'm in the Hamburg office and in the Hamburg office there is about I think we're almost at 50 people besides like office management and so on there is three teams and each team we call them squads they're autonomous in themselves like they could take on any brief any problem and translate it into a digital solution that is either like a web experience or an AR experience or a VR experience or or anything um because they're, they're all made up out of every specialism that you need from digital producers, of course, UX designers, but also front-end developers, back-end developers, Unity developers. So like people that can create games, for example, or VR experiences, 3D artists that make these, the objects that go into these worlds, for example, storytellers. So as kind of like the, for UX, which is a lot about how stuff should work we have like, so to say, it goes hand in hand with storytelling. And that is kind of that is pushed by different people. And so we have this back and forth where we kind of bring solutions to new levels by simply working together. Another that I feel is important to make things like this happen is that everyone is involved from the very beginning when the brief comes in to almost the very end. But especially the beginning is important when we define these ideas and everyone sits together from uh, storytellers to developers and so on to all think about how can we best, let's say, capitalize on this opportunity space that we have based on, on, on the insights that the brief gives us. And there is this simply communication and people collaborating to create ideas and build on each other. Um, I think that's a big part of of why it works. There is basically no hierarchy. Like everyone can lead or can drive their own, the, the things that they care about, give their input and, and speak up and make make that a reality um, if they convince people enough. It's, uh, it's sometimes it feels a bit, you've, you might feel a bit lost, but at some point you, you start to understand that, I mean, in the end, it's like structured like a, an ideation process, but in, as soon as people do it more and more uh, often enough, they start to kind of internalize this process and you start to see that people also start enjoying it more and more i think that is maybe a bit of the secret sauce yeah
0: that sounds really interesting because like in the beginning when you were talking about like your your story your journey yeah. you already said that you really like to get like a lot of inspiration from different mm-hmm. sources different people like your first mentors you got were like from different fields mm-hmm. so that's i think that's really interesting and now you're like based in a team with a lot of different people. So you get a lot of like different inspirations from different people. And maybe this is some kind of a key to like really like keep inspired or like come really up with innovative ideas because this is like what your teams are actually doing. So that's that's maybe also like a really great tip for, for people not to like surround with like your ex-designers all the time but like get input from other areas
1: exactly like we're also kind of like every specialism has their own let's call it guild or like like group that kind of transcends or like goes outside of these autonomous squads or teams but i i always have the feeling the most interesting inspiration comes from outside of your comfort zone that i think that holds true time and time again. Yeah,
0: it's like outside of your comfort zone because it's actually really like comforting and nice if you surround yourself with people you know what they're talking about. But if you're talking to a developer, then sometimes for me, I'm just like, I don't really know what this means. Please explain it to mm-hmm. me. But so you learn something, but it's also kind of difficult at some point. So
1: I also think when we're talking about always trying new stuff, stuff and learning, try maybe coding as a UX designer, it doesn't have to be fancy stuff, but with the tools that, that are available today, you can kind of start to understand how the the people, the developers that you work with, how they think. And when you understand how they think, you can work better together and they'll appreciate that. If you're lucky or probably the vision that you have for the, the solution that you wanna create might also benefit from this better relationship. So it's it's like a win-win and, and it's fun. Or I think it's fun.
0: Like the projects you're doing there are um, like really innovative. You're trying to integrate a lot of like new technologies, virtual reality, for example, augmented reality. Do you have a favorite project where you could like explain a little bit about how you came up with the idea? At which point you decided we need virtual reality for that uh, case study? Like
1: a couple come to mind. I'm, I don't have like one darling or so, but maybe I can talk about one of the the m- more recent project which, which was or is an immersive space and it, it's like an interactive and exhibition. It's called Discovery Dog and basically it's this space where you where you can experience the unseen of and the unseen and the future which is also the unseen of the Hamburg harbor because it's just, it's it's a bit futuristic or like futuristically set that's one thing why new technology of course was like an obvious choice but also because we wanted in this space that allows like about 30 people at a time we needed to create like immersive moments, also provide something for different types of visitors. So what we we found is, of course, we didn't start with the technology. We we started with asking ourselves, what's the story that we want to tell in the end? And the thing, the story that we wanted to tell in the end based on, on the insights that we got is that we wanted to show perspectives that people would otherwise not see on like a harbor tour or a harbor boat tour or, or something like that. So the insight was that one, Tourists uh, in Hamburg don't have a lot of time when they when they visit the city. Only do like some like the the highlight attractions. They don't stay so many nights. The other insight was, like I said, they don't really see what, the heart of the harbor, and that's what we wanted to change. So we wanted to transport people to this unseen place and let them experience it at different levels. And if you think about it, it's like a it allows you to explore six different perspectives uh, that would otherwise remain unseen like you can um, like see what it's like to be a customs officer and like look for like uh, counterfeit goods in a container Um, you can have a look in under the Elbe or like underwater in the Elbe which is um, the river that flows through Hamburg and to make these these experiences compelling we for example used VR um, because it simply provides The most like emotional experience that is also that people are also able to enjoy individually while they're in the space with lots of other people. Uh, I think that is that is that's definitely a benefit in this Mm -hmm. case. What we found is that, like, if you create an interactive exhibition and you have these 30 people, it's like you're directing a play, but with multiple protagonists that are all free to do whatever they want. And all of these people, they all have different wants and needs, just like you would do with a website, you have like different types of users. And so we found that there is these people that are like true like experience seekers. So they would run towards like VR stations and so on right away. Then there's the people that are more like passively interested, so they would probably enjoy something like video content. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the people, (laughs) maybe they don't even want to be in this space, (laughs) Maybe they're just like the teacher that's there with his uh, with his classroom, and just needs to check if if everyone is uh, if everyone is behaving, mm-hmm. and basically is only interested in in having a second screen to a VR application and so on, um, or maybe a bench to sit on. I don't know. <laughs> like all all these all these things and all these uh, kinds of, of of visitors, you need to kind of cater to, and that was. That was a very interesting interesting thing to get right or to to balance.
0: How do you, as a UX designer, design those things?
1: Yes, it definitely doesn't start with technology itself. Anything that makes the idea testable in the easiest shape or form. So it probably starts with text. You explain that idea, and then you get feedback on it, and then you scribble it or you scribble it together, then you start to prototype it. Then you start to when you all agree on it internally, you you build something that is that kind of shows your vision, that makes your vision emotionally tangible. And so maybe that's that's more for websites, but like for example, <laughs> wireframes they don't there's no real emotion in that. But if if you think about like an in, a small interactive prototype, or a, a short mo- uh, um, animated film, or uh, something coming out of the motion graphics department. That is something that, that can captivate not only people internally, but also the client. And I think, uh, or like what we see very often is that once your vision becomes in, like you have these kind of, I would almost call those things tools, like the, the prototype and, and like the animated film, because they become a tool for the client to pitch it also internally, the project, if yeah. they still need to convince other stakeholders or the CEO and so on like it's a, it's a win for every everybody. I think that's that's something I definitely believe in when it comes to to the prototyping, I would say there are some tools that are definitely helpful to create or like in the creation of VR experiences or AR experiences. Like for me as a UX designer um who is not the greatest in 3D design or in building a quick prototype in Unity, I I would go to a tool like Google blocks, Um, Google blocks is basically this app that it's a VR app. And, And so you start with a spatial canvas and you can put anything on it. Like you can create your own shapes or and I think this is this is probably the best thing about it is you can look through a massive database that is called Google Poly of low poly 3D models that you can quickly use to create and whip up scenes that you want to to kind of create in VR to tell your story. I think that's a really nice tool uh, for UX designers. And I'm quite excited about when it comes to AR is, so Apple is really investing into AR and I think it's part of the current beta um, and soon it will probably be released together with iOS 13. Um, It's called Reality Composer. And so it allows you to easily prototype and also, I think, create, like I think it's also meant as a tool for production, um,
0: AR experiences. Okay, interesting. Those are already really great tips, I think, because especially like the prototyping and testing Mm. with AR and VR is like super interesting for me, and I think for many people because if you if you're not a coder or a three D artist, then you definitely have some problems. But mm-hmm. those tools need your ex designers, and they need a way to prototype for it. But we can't like do normal wireframes because they don't even work pretty well for websites or apps. Mm-hmm. So we need to come up with better ideas mm-hmm. who look more realistic. So uh, okay really great tips with the tools I'm going to link them in the show notes so people can check it out so you already started to talk a little bit about augmented reality and this is something um, yeah, I'm really excited about <laughs> because what you said like Apple is investing a lot in this technology and in the near future we are not going to use phones anymore we maybe have like smart contact lenses or things how do you are you already talking about those things it's um, like in your team or how do you think about augmented reality? What do you think about like their opportunities?
1: That we all know where it's going, like what you already mentioned. uh, And even though that is probably very far away, the idea of true AR that either comes through like contact lenses or maybe something is even directly hooked into your brain. I don't know. I think that's what we're ultimately aiming for. But the current status uh, of, of like this soft, version of AR I think we can already create so many wonderful new solutions with that like whether that's uh, trying out if this chair fits with my with my living room back home and so on that that's already like very valuable things for customers to imagine products or things in the space that they're in when we design for that I think it's important that we remember that when we're in, when we're trying to augment reality or a space, we also need to involve that space. I would say it. you can, you can for example, you can create a, a basketball game where you shoot hoops, a basketball game where you, you can create a basketball game where you shoot hoops and you put everything on the table in front of you and you just flip some basketballs. I don't think that that's like the best use of space. But if you think about... Maybe I need to move through the space to do something. There is like this idea of hide and seek uh, when we have object recognition that that we actually use the space and involve it. Use the opportunity that the story that we tell through AR is different for every environment that I use this app or experience in. I think that's that's super interesting. Um, we're we're currently we're working on an on an app that is um, an AR app that is for for I think like toddlers kind of um, to teach them soft skills to, mm. like the the um, like friendship and, and human connection and so there is this character in AR and the first thing it does is it hides from you and so you need to like search for it with your mobile phone and I think that that's a, a very nice way of you moving and using the space In order to interact with this app i unfortunately i cannot tell more about it because it's still in production
0: looking forward to try it someday hopefully and that's interesting what you just said because it really depends on the use case you know there are so many apps out there where you think do we actually need ar for this so where do you think are really opportunities or problems we could solve with ar i think you 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 have different projects Mm -hmm. at demodern but do you think there are some general areas
1: off the top of my head like two things come to mind. And, and one I think is fairly obvious and that's when, when we talk about education. I personally believe VR is also very good at at conveying educational experiences. But with AR, we get this relation with the real world. And if we think about kids these days and that they're maybe a little bit too much behind the screen, it's maybe good when that screen at least takes in the real world and explains things as they can also like physically and tangibly interact with it. I think I think that's a really there's a really big opportunity there. On the other hand, and I'm just gonna refer to a case study now that that we kind of thought up a while ago, if we think about retail experiences. So brick and mortar retail is is not doing so great. <laughs> we need to create things for these stores that draw people in again, that that give them something that they cannot have at home. At the same time, those places where the people are that should go into these stores are usually big cities, rents and like selling space, like every square foot or square meter, no matter which one you take, it's super expensive. So you need to use this space efficiently. I think AR there can be used like in the sense of projection mapping like if we take a blank model of something in, in our case we took a I think it was a, a Vans shoe or something like a sneaker map every model that we have onto it we don't need to like put them all on the shelf and we can even allow for hyper personalization which is this other kind of trend that, that's been going on for a while but we can make people configure their own product at on the spot whether that's uh, for vans or I don't know Nike ID, whatever. Yeah.
0: I think I saw it online. It looked really cool because they were also moving the shoe, but it it stays like on the on the shoe, so it was working pretty well.
1: Yeah, it had a bit of latency still, but but for a prototype it's-
0: it was cool yeah yeah and imagine that you just have to try like one pair of shoes and then you could like map everything on it like if it's the same brand of course but you don't have to switch between different models and because this is really annoying no one really yeah, wants to do that i think if we think about the future of mm-hmm. how things are going to like evolve in the next 10 to 15 years i think for us as UX designers many things are changing because of automation, also artificial intelligence and all those new technologies. Mm-hmm. So we are living in a very exciting time mm-hmm. and I think it's really interesting to talk about what would be the best way for us to get ready, to not really like miss the best best times or the mm-hmm. education we need now to like be successful in the future. What do you think about this? Thing?
1: That a lot of things are changing. Also on a, like a more global scale, I would say. Of course, there will be new technologies and new discoveries in science and engineering, but we also have population that is still growing, resources that are depleting. Everything is in constant change. Our jobs as well, like jobs come and go. Um, And even though I believe UX design in itself is not so prone to being wiped out, we we need to make sure that we redesign ourselves as designers all the time because the only thing that doesn't change will be change and i know that this is like this said so often but one thing that we that is timeless is that we will always have to work together or and collaborate and learn how to work together to solve these fairly complex problems and that together with like an, an internal like passion or drive to reinvent yourself to learn unlearn and relearn mm-hmm. i think those are the tools that will help us as ux designers move into the future and maybe in the future we will not really maybe we will relabel ourselves maybe we will not be ux designers anymore but i don't know emotion designers or something like that you 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 never know or it will become more fractured that we all find our own domain, uh, like there is a domain for AI, one for AR. So you become UX designer plus a domain. I think that could become a scenario. The other thing in, like that goes hand in hand, I think, is that if we look at, at the book from Don Norman, The Design of Everyday Things, which is kind of like it's like a little Bible for UX designers. It wasn't about technology all the time. It was just about everyday products and and things. I think we need to go back to that a little bit, and also beyond that, maybe and and consider that we're not just trying to solve things through technology, but more holistic and consider the world as a whole when we when we do our jobs. I I think we definitely be moving away from our screen. We will. Probably in the near future, screen time will still increase. But then at some point, we will transcend and go beyond the screen with like what we talked about before or with AR or like the true form of AR around the corner. And also with artificial intelligence, making strides or big steps. I think it's important to realize that we will these will be designing more holistic human experiences uh, that are maybe less about moving pixels or defining where pixels should go and more about what information should be placed when and where maybe at the same time i believe that with the advance of ar which might actually like reach this this point of, of being like true and completely, let's call it like a, like a natural layer. Um, that might happen like maybe in, in 15, 20 years. I think an interesting thing there is is that the world itself, like we know it today um, and you and me or people, we might not change so much, but the way that we see the world and and see each other, I think that's where the, the big changes. Uh, will happen also how, how we see ourselves um, or uh, maybe thinking even further how we express ourselves like if, if everything is always or can always be superimposed by virtual expressions I can wear a hat and any hat I want and switch it on the fly and everyone else will see it but it's not really there mm-hmm. it's it's like an Instagram filter that I, that is always there so to say and I think that that's kind of interesting it's it's a bit weird but it, and confusing maybe also because the world that you see or that anyone sees is not the same world maybe that i see and so our experiences with the world will become different i i think that says there are so many new connections and and things to think about in that space these are the reasons that i think we'll never be be out of a job as long as we stay excited
0: and I really like what you said, because you referred to the book uh, Design of Everyday Things. This really, like, made me think, of course, we are going to design for the human being in the future as well. So, you know, the human being is going to stay the same. It was like before digitalization, now or even in the in the far future, the human being is going to stay the same with the same needs and desires and hopes. And interesting to keep that in mind. So, yeah, super interesting that you mentioned this. Because sometimes, I think we tend to forget this.
1: To jump in on that, I think when we are working as UX designers, like with all the like pressures surrounding us, we often focus on the average and customer as our user, so to say. I kind of have a problem with the word user in itself. <laughs> and that's our main stakeholder that we're designing for. But we're forgetting about the long tail. And there are so many people, whether that's people with with maybe with dis- disabilities, like maybe they, they're blind or they're deaf, but also like then going like uh, a few le- like, levels beyond that, like the world in itself, maybe we should consider mother nature as a user of the products that we create and, and think how it affects society and the environment mm-hmm. um, a bit more. I think that's, that's also part of this, this thinking in a more holistic in more holistic human experiences. The good thing there is, I believe, that like UX design as we know it today, um, when we think about that, we spend probably still a lot of time making these wireframes, for example, we probably won't in the future. Like, that's something that probably an AI can soon do better than us. And maybe the time that we save there, um, we can use it to um, be more and more. Empathic again Mm -hmm. and truly understand the world and like pursue different paths to to find a solution
0: okay and i think this was also a really great tip for young designers who don't really know like where to focus or where to like put a lot of effort and time in about the whole thing as an experience about nature the society understanding people the the user how do you do this
1: in the end it's all about communication, talking to people, like trying to understand them, going different routes, also validating the ideas you have, uh, not just with the people that are sitting next to you in the office, but with random people on the street. Um, I I have to be honest, we don't do it, but I was listening to a talk from someone that works at Dropbox the other day. They had walk-in Wednesdays or something they call it. And basically they they would put a sign on the door that said, uh, yeah, if if you feel like trying something new... (laughs) Uh, just come in uh, you'll get a a free coffee and a a, a cookie or something like that and just random people on the street could come in and test stuff out and so they could validate it not with like the perfect end customer or whoever but but like random people and I think that's important that we don't forget that um, that we're not that we're that we're also designing for this for this long tail of people.
0: I did some, like, um, career research where we just, like, went out. But we look for specific people who really, like, fit to our prototypes.
1: We, we sometimes make it easy on our uh, for ourselves, whether we're constrained by time or budget mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's it's a human thing to do. We take often the, the path of less, least resistance.
0: And that's really, yeah, that's a that's a good point. And also a great tip, I think, for designers in general, just talking to strangers sometimes so do you have some resources some, but do you have some other things you would recommend designers if they want to work with new technologies
1: personally um i do really enjoy reading medium articles mm-hmm. so a medium is like a big uh, sort uh, insp- uh, inspirational resource for me i also found i use slack a lot and we have this this space for our agency which which is private but for me that's a very inspirational thing because uh, i can actually look into the brains of other people and we share everything and like there are many different tight-knit and like friendly communities around design and ux design that you can join on slack and you you have all these spaces that basically are a great curation of of whatever is 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 making people excited uh, on the internet i think yeah, Slack for me is a big thing comes to uh, another thing for me is uh, when we think about mostly about VR experiences, but all interactive experiences that try to tell a story or make the user tell a story for themselves, like story doing. I think it's it's super valuable, interesting and exciting to simply pick one and see if you like it. and also look at how they gamify things, and how they build tensions, and how they keep the player in this kind of state of constant interest. For any story that you want to tell over time, or like that the user participates in, you you want to create this flow of tension between, I feel like I achieved something new, uh, and that makes me feel good, yeah. and there is something next that I want to reach for. And if you play games, and I'm not even big gamer, i'm maybe maybe a casual gamer but i like it and i think if if you look a little bit deeper into how games are made you can learn a lot about interactive storytelling whether that's on the web or in ar or in vr or
0: yeah i think that's a really great tip in game industry i think it's so interesting because there people don't really want to go to the help section they want Find it out themselves. So the usability aspect of games is super interesting. And also what you said, like the gamification and make people really enjoy the whole thing. So and gaming is a pretty big industry at the moment. And I would like to talk with you about another project, Peter. So for the like animal rights organization, right? And this was really interesting and special. So maybe you could talk a little bit about this.
1: That was a very cool project to do because it took VR, I think, to like a new level maybe and also in a, in a very meaningful way. One of the biggest benefits about VR is, is this sense of immersion and this that it's so Im- incredibly good and conveying emotions or making people feel things. And what we wanted people to feel is basically what it is to step into the shoes of a guinea pig, a laboratory animal, a cow that is soon to be, go- be going to the slaughterhouse. We try to convey them in an experience that is guided by a little rabbit. You put on the VR headset and you're greeted by this, this rabbit. And the rabbit, um, is, it talks to you. It, it sees you. And it it does so. It, it's fully virtually made it's it's it, like it's hyper realistic but it's completely virtual um but behind it is a uh, an, a voice actor in a in a motion tracking suit we translated human movement to a uh, through the limbs to the limbs of a of a rabbit and let it speak let the artist speak through the rabbit with, with with the visitor so to say the visitor was, is in a room where we could it, it was a pop-up experience where where we can see what the visitor is wearing and so it was especially interesting when they were for example wearing leather shoes we would the rabbit would say something like uh, "Ah, it's nice to see that you're wearing one of my friends mm-hmm. um and so it would the rabbit would then take you on a journey in another scene you're like in the middle of a of a, a, a large field and you're surrounded uh, by, I'm not entirely sure how many um, farm animals, uh, but like you're surrounded by, by cows and pigs and, and, and chickens. And the rabbit is is, um, is also there with you in, in that scene. And he tells like, well, the, he always uses the scene to tell a story and you have all these people, uh, all these uh, animals standing around you and staring at you. And the rabbit says like, well, if you're a meat eater, this is about the amount of meat you will consume in your life. And it's like, it's like animals as far as you can see. And that's like a very, that, that hits you as a, as a, as a person. Um, and it it also ends. And I think that that's a very nice touch where you are brought back into the real world. So um, in the end, in the, in, in the virtual world, the rabbit is always on this on this little stool. And when he leaves, he leaves a little envelope, a little note for you. And then when you take off the VR glasses, that, that note is right there in front of you. So we kind of like connected what happens inside the VR experience with, with, with what's outside. That was a really nice project to work on.
0: Yeah, I I really especially like um, projects try to talk about those kind of things at the moment because we like put it away as, as far as we can and we haven't experienced it. We cannot really imagine it, even though if we saw some videos, it's not the same. If people want to follow you or get some more information about those topics, where can they find you?
1: They can find me on, on Twitter. You can always shoot me a question there. I guess the link will be in the description. You can always write me an email. That's also fine. And if you're ever in Hamburg, stop by. We're open every day or like every workday. You can have a coffee. You can experience some of the things that we created and put our hearts into. Yeah, and if you come after five, there might even be a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, that sounds great. Uh, So really good, really good final thoughts, I think. Thank you so much for being here. I think it was so, so interesting to hear your experiences, all your thoughts about those technologies. So thank you so much for sharing all of those things with us.
1: It was really, really nice.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you have any feedback or recommendations. I wish you a great day and here you're in the future